Greetings friends, I'm Galen, and welcome to the Gaming Adventure and Discovery Explorers. A show about our adventures and discoveries as we explore the world of gaming. I'm Chad. On today's show, we reveal our final secrets on running a game. Let's explore! Hey, Chad, how you doing? Hey, Galen. I, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know if you remember, but I got married a month ago. I do remember. You were suffering from ailments. Someone I was. cursed you or something. I was. I was already set to attend, and my wife had bought a new dress. <laughs> oh, oh. And, and then, yeah. And then we couldn't come because I was sick. Oh. Yeah. That's, so, yeah, and I was bummed. I was bummed. Uh, Kai Coney made it and his family, which I thought oh, was good. super well, that's great. appreciated. Yeah. Um, my gamer group and Moira, who has been on the show and you know real well, did a mm -hmm. great, you know, beautiful toast. and Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Good. So so that was like the life update that I just couldn't escape from. Yep. <laughs> Wait, that makes it sound bad, but I had to mention because that was a pretty big deal. And yeah. with the holidays and everything is part of why this episode has been somewhat delayed. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been playing? We've had so much time. Yeah, I've it was nice over the holidays. It it didn't look like I was going to get any gaming in. I was really bummed out. But uh -huh. um, uh -huh. it finally came together. One day we had a friend come over who um, had a board game that we'd been wanting to play for a while, my wife and I, Kim. Um, and so we played a double header of two games, which actually fit really well together thematically. So the game that my friend brought over is called Photosynthesis. Oh. And it's a board game. Um, it's competitive. We played a three-player game. But essentially what you're doing is trying to grow as many trees as possible. And okay. it's that whole thing of where like big trees can block out the light, so smaller trees can't grow. Okay, that, Ooh, cool. that kind of thing. Yeah. So there is a strategic element to the game. It was really fun. It took us about forty-five, fifty minutes to play it, and that's being our first game. Oh, fast. So, okay, great. Yeah. So it's a pretty quick one. The board is gorgeous. It's got little trees that you can put together, and they stand up. And everyone has oh, got a neat. different type of tree. It's just yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful and fun. And I think there's a lot of strategy involved. Just having one playthrough of it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, there are different things that I can try next time we do this <laughs> to try and like starve out other people's trees. Yes, and make my trees the dominant species. You know, I was just thinking about new games, and um, mm -hmm. you know, as a person who plays a you know more games than most people do, yep. I yep. often what I'm just trying to do is like trying to figure out how to make points, right, and how to yeah. kind of get moderate at it because frankly i'm a busy person like you are and i don't mm -hmm. play mm -hmm. any one of my games that many times to be honest some right. of my favorite games i've played maybe 10 times yeah over years i'm just good at getting mediocre at games because because <laughs> if yeah. you can get mediocre the second or third time you play it you'll beat most of the people <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and as the gamer nerd in my friend group most of these people are not you know more harder core gamers Mm -hmm. So I'm learning faster anyway. 
So I don't, I'm not bragging about that. I just had this, this realization <laughs> as, <laughs> as you were reflecting on how your learning was, I think you were doing right. a very similar thing of like, okay, how can yeah. I get better at this? Knowing mm-hmm. you'll probably only play that game six times in your whole life or, or something. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Gamer know thyself. Yeah. So, and you played a second game? What was that? Um, since my friend had never played it before, uh, and Kim and I had only played it a couple times, we played uh, another um, run-through of Wingspan, the game oh. that we played previously about um, yeah. collecting birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. It was a it was a game of all natural theme with, with trees and birds, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I think the games pair well together. It uh, sounds if like... If you're into that sort of milieu, to yeah. use a $2 word. That sounds great, and like wholesome and like humanistic yes definitely all that's right with the world yeah it's all about nature and pretty things so yeah it's a a good change of pace from some of the more nitty-gritty kill the other guy and take all this stuff uh kind of i think it contrasts really well with what i've been doing in my gamer world yes and what was that chad (laughs) i have been playing to death XCOM enemy unknown uh-huh. this was a game that had gone on sale like right around thanksgiving and i'd missed the sale by like 20 minutes mm. and uh sure enough it came back on sale i bought like the whole thing and it's about 10 years old which is as listeners will know that's pretty much when i buy my games yeah so it's a turn-based strategy game where you you assemble a a group of soldiers and you're managing actually the entire XCOM unit to to defend the earth against alien invaders and it's super fun because each soldier you can customize and you can make their change their looks and give them names and um, they get better as they get more experienced. Uh, mm-hmm. The the kind of good part about it is you get very you know attached to certain soldiers as they get you know as they yes. do things and they get really good and yeah. and then they'll die on you though and it's just heart wrenching mm-hmm. and. I have moderately been making use of the save game <laughs> and load game functions. Okay. So, yep. Yep. You know, there's, <laughs> but sometimes like you'll accomplish a very difficult thing and not have saved it. And then one of your best soldiers will die. And it's like, yeah. well, am I going to replay all the way through and maybe then not, maybe still not accomplish right. this thing, you know? And sometimes that's yeah. the answer is yes. Yeah. It's fun, right? It's like, yeah, actually that, and mm-hmm. I've done that for some of these levels, but yeah, the thing about this game though, that, is such a contrast to those games that you played, I think, is there's this quiet undercurrent. I've seen this in a lot of media and games, especially and games that I enjoy, but it's this mm-hmm. kind of promotion of militarism <laughs> and mm, yeah. not de- yeah. democratically elected oversight. <laughs> like Right. Yep. Things that I love, right? Like in the Avengers in those movies, for example, in Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, ironically, I think I think the viewer was supposed to kind of really sympathize with Captain America, or I did. Yeah. But he, the Avengers are an extra yeah. governmental. There, there is no oversight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Paramilitary organization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's troublesome a little bit, and so this game has a little of that. And I think, I think this game does it intentionally, a little like Starship Troopers, especially the movie did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the '90s where. If you're really paying attention, you realize that it's a comment on militarism, yeah. and it's a it's a comment about how that can could be the gateway to fascism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're not paying that close of attention, like mostly it's just about killing aliens. Yeah, right. Both Starship Troopers and this game. Yeah, <laughs> there's ways that it makes me feel a little dirty. Sure. Yeah. And oh, and there's these great scenes where if you capture one, you can interrogate it, the alien. Right. Um, and it's it's just a cutscene. Yeah. But. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is. 
it's torture and yeah. uh, torture like you are torturing the alien mm-hmm. or you know your people are mm-hmm. again that's not part of the gameplay it's a cutscene but it's right there yep. it's you're it's it's and and this game does mention kind of make comment of it some of the characters do but yeah I generally mm-hmm. love it though I have just been playing this thing to death mm-hmm. what is it specifically about it that just tickles your fancy at this at this moment in time the cultivating of the crew of okay. the characters yeah I enjoy a lot yeah and also there's this interesting rep there's it's the missions are fairly repetitive mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. it's actually a lot like playing a sports game mm, yeah where you have the management part of the game especially if you're doing a season mode or something yeah franchise mode yeah. and then you have the game itself once you're competent at the game you can be pretty sure that you're going to win the game or in this case win the mission but you have to be on it you have to pay attention mm-hmm. you know you have to make good decisions or you can have these setbacks yeah and so you have this feeling of mastery because like you noted to get cover and you have, you you know, these soldiers are pretty good right now. So I've got great abilities and cool things that they can do. Mm-hmm. And then there's this moment where you realize you made a mistake. Yeah. Or maybe you didn't make a mistake, but now it's the alien's turn. And this, there's one in particular I'm thinking of that can shoot twice. <laughs> right. And that can kill one of your soldiers. Yeah. Like a direct hit, even when you're well-armored soldiers. Mm-hmm. And knowing it's their turn and just this moment of like holding your breath. Yeah. Hoping that you didn't make a mistake that will kill one of your soldiers. <laughs> yeah. And then you live yep. and then you kill it. And there's this great feeling of success. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I actually played a lot of this game once a few years ago on my tablet mm. and it was very difficult. I bet. Yeah. It's a lot more fun with a mouse and, and monitor. <laughs> I, I played it a lot. It was a lot of fun, but I got to a point where there was just too much. Mm-hmm. There was just too much yep. <laughs> to try to do just on a touch based tablet. Yeah. So I dropped it just out of, complexity Mm -hmm. i have surpassed that part of the game now and and i don't know i don't know what i think i'm getting to the end but i don't know (laughs) right i remember i played the very first XCOM when it came out in i think it was like 94 95 that sounds right i played that to death i was terrible at it i was (laughs) terrible at it (laughs) i was just so bad but i like it annoyed me so much i gotta kill those aliens but they keep (laughs) killing my dude with the big gun it's so annoying yes all right so let's go into our main topic yes so the final secrets of running a game yes one of the things that i like to talk about a lot in my in my life especially my professional life but also when i'm with people who are trying to make decisions is the first secret which is Understand the purpose. Mm. When I'm thinking about running a game, whether you're dungeon mastering a game or you're teaching a game, the purpose is not to win the game, right. for one thing. Right. And especially if you're a DM or, you know, or a storyteller or any of those kind of referee for a role-playing game, you're facilitating an experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a crucial thing to remember. Yeah. I think people generally understand that you're not against the players. You know, that that's key. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's important to remember that you're not only a rules referee or a rules adjudicator. Mm-hmm. I think the role is much broader than that. Yeah. And I think the rules, navigating the rules is actually a secondary purpose mm-hmm. that you're yeah. there for. I agree. Something to think about is what experience exactly would you like for your players to be having? Mm-hmm. And so as, a, as mm-hmm. a dungeon master, and this can change from game to game, from session to session, from, you know, encounter oh, yeah. to encounter. Yep. And, yep. and even moment to moment, you know, and it could be Sometimes it's fear. You know, I was just describing XCOM being afraid and then resolving the fear. 
mm-hmm. you can do that at a tabletop yep. game, and that's great. Do you want them to feel successful? Do you want them to feel trepidation mm-hmm. uh, or or wonder? You know, I think a lot of these fantasy games, there's this great capacity to invoke wonder. Definitely. You know, at the other end of the spectrum, and sometimes in a dungeon crawly kind of game, maybe claustrophobia is is what you want, or. Mm-hmm. Or a feeling of overcoming a challenge or or whatever. You know, the list can go on. Yeah, right. And I feel like you don't have to be perfect at it. And you're not going to be able to just, you know, invoke the emotion easily. But <laughs> but yeah. remembering yeah. what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And if you are teaching a game, you know, a board game or a card game, it's, it's the same thing. You know, you're not trying. You're trying to yeah. just ha- get them to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was the experience I had when I just uh, like the the game day I was just talking about when I had a friend yeah. over. She had played the first game before, and Kim and I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And then the second game, Kim and I had played, and she hadn't. But we all had the same idea: is that we just want to have fun with these mm-hmm. games. We want to embrace what the games have to offer, right. like the beauty of the cards, and that it's really laid back and stress free. That's what we were after, and so that's the way our rules descriptions uh, worked into the game as well. Mm -hmm. So the rules kind of, we just laid it out as we went. I was like, let's just play through and see how it goes and just enjoy the, the physical aspects of the game and our friendship, Mm -hmm. you know, as we talk and and explore this together. Yeah. And I, I think that's great. And I think especially with new games and new players of games, just really focusing on that can be really important because if they don't have fun, mm-hmm. you don't have a second chance. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, that's that whole thing about the it's not in it. To right. Win it. You're, <laughs> right. You're not in it to win it. You don't want to have someone, you know, come in. It's like, I have this new game I bought. Come play it with me. That you never played before. And then I Stop crush them. you yeah. <laughs> in yeah. it. It's like, well, OK, that's one person out the door that I was never going to want to play that yes. game again. With board games, it can unfold, right? Because part of what you sh- would recommend doing with board mm-hmm. games is you're trying to test the mechanics so you can experience them, so you can understand how the systems work, you know? And if yeah. you win too fast, yeah. like, it's okay to win the game if you're if it's your game. Like, like we're not saying don't win, mm-hmm. but, yeah. you know, again, it's back to just remembering you're there to kind of experience the rules, to teach it, and those are primary. And sure, if you win, that's fine. Yeah. If you lose, that should be fine, too, mm-hmm. generally. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I do have a capacity to be competitive. And I think there is definitely mm-hmm. a time and a place to just go for it, right? Because that's fun, too. Like, sure. there's a yeah. mastery, a competition yep. mastery that can be in competitive games is completely appropriate. Yes. But definitely. when you're the first time through is not the time <laughs> for that, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, one more thing on this yeah. topic. For me, if I know a game and I've played it a lot and I'm playing with someone new... I find that's a good time not only to teach them, but to try something different in the game. Yes. A different tactic. Absolutely. Like, right? Because I think in a lot of these board games, especially, there are certain strategies that we figure uh-huh. out. And it's like, well, we do this, and then it increases our chances of winning. It's like, well, what if I don't do that this time? Yep. What if I try a different exactly. tactic? So that can be fun, and it broadens your experience of the game as well. Yeah. So then when it's time to go hardcore, better mm-hmm. ready. <laughs> <laughs> to win, to crush yep. them yep. when exactly. they're ready. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when everyone's in it yes. together and we know what we're doing, now we yeah. go for it. Now exactly. we go for it. Shifting back, especially the dungeon mastering, uh, DMing, you mm-hmm. know, facilitation. So there's, you know, you have a very specific reason for being there. And I touched on this before. You know, you're there to facilitate the experience. Mm-hmm. Part of the facilitation of the experience is almost you become a real-time game designer yeah. because you are controlling their entire experience 
And, mm-hmm. you know, in the video game world, video, you know, video game designers are taking weeks, months, years to kind of create the, the you know, the graphics and the, yes. you know, how the mechanics yes. work. You can do that on the fly. Mm-hmm. And I heard this anecdote, and I think I it was on a GDQ conference or something, a debrief about the, the more recent Doom computer game. Mm-hmm. I think it was Doom. And I, I that could be a lie. But anyway, it's one of those first-person shooters where they had done a bunch of testing about what do players enjoy the most out of games like that. Mm. And I think it was Doom. And what they learned was players love to be down to their last health bar. Mm. They love to be on the verge of losing. Yeah. And so... In the computer game world, what they did was they fudged it just a little bit. So that last health bar is the most difficult bar to lose. Aha, yeah. You know, you kind of go down at a set rate, you you know absorb damage down to your last. And then like your last one is actually like three or something. I don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. So that you feel like you're barely surviving. Because yeah. they had, you know, identified that what do players want from this game? What's the most fun thing? And then they... They cheated a little bit. Yep. You know, you could call it cheating, but again, the purpose is not to apply the rules equally. Yes, right. The purpose is to apply the rules in a way to enhance the experience that you're yeah, facilitating. Definitely. And that's a secret that we don't talk about much because, and I'm going to shift to our next secret, mm-hmm. which is to keep your secrets. Yeah. You don't tell the players when you're fudging. Yep. <laughs> and you do what you can. So that they never find out, which is one of the reasons I haven't talked about this more on this show. Right. And by the way, I'm going to give some specifics here later. And so if you're a player who doesn't want to see how the sausage is made, this may not be the episode. (laughs) Just skip to the end uh, because we have some updates for you. The biggest responsibility, I think, is to make it feel authentic to the players. Yeah. You know, kind of shifting back to the, you know, if you're teaching a board game example or hosting a poker night or something, Mm -hmm. you know, that's less of a thing. Actually, yeah. poker's different because that's gambling. That's <laughs> so I'm actually not going to get into that. Right. But but you know, but generally they're you know they see you right there. You know they they know mm-hmm. you don't need to announce though. If you're teaching them a board game, you don't need to announce that you're being soft on them. Yeah. Just play the game straight up and normally and relax about it. Yep. And keep your mouth shut. Just play. Right. Yeah. And and I have to admit, when it comes to keeping secrets, I'm generally not good at this, um, <laughs> which is why I've had this show for the last year and a half. I like to kind of share and talk and brag and tell war stories, but yep. And that's okay, but just don't do it with your players, especially at the same session. Yes. You know, let them have the session. Mm-hmm. Six months later, you can talk about it. You know, that's different, but but yeah. let them have their pure experience. Right. You know, specifically digging into what kinds of secrets, shifting into the Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or any of those kind of adventure game sections. Mm-hmm. If there's a part of the map that they didn't explore, they didn't go, you don't have to tell them what was there. Yeah. You don't have to share that. Yep. In fact, you might want to use it later, like in the next session. Yeah, save that stuff. Definitely. And you don't want them feeling like they missed out, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Unless you do. Now, if you if you want that, do it thoughtfully. Yeah. <laughs> but but generally, if they just came off a big win and they killed the boss, you don't need to advertise that they missed the treasure. Right. You know, or there was a really fun thing, you know, and, and I'm bad. Again, I'm bad about keeping my mouth shut about this sort of thing. But <laughs> another opportunity for kind of fudging a little bit that you definitely don't want to share is if you borrow slash steal some of your players own ideas for mm. your campaign. Mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay for them to be right, especially if their idea was better than what you had planned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't tell them. <laughs> don't tell them <laughs> that. Just just uh, let them assume that they figured it out. Like, yep. that's that's exactly. okay. Exactly. I shy away from actually lying, <laughs> especially in an out-of-game mm. lying. Mm-hmm. If they ask me, point blank, you know, did you make that up on the fly? I, I am not comfortable 
bald face lying. Yeah. I might hem and haw, but a lot of times I just let assumptions be. And, and I think most players will also let assumptions be. Yes, I agree. Now, the next kind of set of secrets are a little more tactical. The question is often dice fudging yeah and whether dms should dice fudge or not Mm -hmm. and my opinion on that is that that's the wrong question one thing that i have found is that by showing the dice letting the dice be out in the open Mm -hmm. it helps the immersion you know the players then feel like it's very transparent and they can see what's happening yes Yes. Meanwhile, I have layers of other things Uh that are going on. Behind the curtain. Exactly. Behind the curtain. (laughs) Yeah. Is that your approach to dice fudging or or whatever? When I was running Strahd, it changed. Okay. Since it was like my, it was my first time DMing, I wanted to try different things. What I learned was what you just said. I think Mm -hmm. letting the dice be on the table and then having other ways to facilitate what you would mm-hmm. want to be doing <laughs> with that dice fudging. Yes. It makes the players think that everything is totally above board and legit, mm-hmm. but you can still, as a GM, manipulate your story, manipulate yeah. the gaming experience so to enhance the uh, fun that the players are having. Exactly. So here's my biggest one. This is what I learned, I don't know, a, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe three by now. This is the biggest secret. Here we go. Hit point totals. Yes. You have complete control yep. over how many in the moment to moment. Mm-hmm. You you need to be a little careful because you don't want your your players to to do the math if you're you know reducing the hit points or adding to the hit points. Yeah. But they are usually so busy with everything else they don't they're not keeping a tally of like how many hit points this monster has. Mm-hmm. This is specific for fifth edition, but I think the concept still works for other games. Every stat block in in the fifth edition monster manual or has essentially a range for hit points so it has a number we quote normal hit point total for that monster but then it says like if you were going to roll it's like this is what you would roll Mm -hmm. so what i'll do is i will calculate the minimum number of hit points if you were to roll and i calculate the maximum number of hit points Mm -hmm. if you were to roll Mm -hmm. and i have all three of those numbers so the normal the min and the max Mm, kind of at as as we're going yep and so my rule of thumb is during the combat it's all about how the table feels yeah and so if it's getting grindy and or we're running out of time or whatever if they you know whenever they get over that minimum i start to think yeah is this the time Mm -hmm. you know maybe we're done maybe this monster could just die yeah and then the next time they gets hit oh he's dead yep that's it yep on the other hand, if this is a monster with some cool abilities that haven't been used yet, yeah, right. for whatever reason, I, I'm much more likely to increase and so to push mm. up towards that higher that higher max. Mm-hmm. The other thing I watch for, I, I'm, this is huge. If it's feeling grindy, if they're if they're getting frustrated and bored, kill that monster on the next hit. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. just Move on. do it. Yep, do it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially in 4th edition, I did not get that when I was a newer DM. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was definitely something that came to me later during Curse of Strahd. Um, mm-hmm. And I did something similar to what you're talking about, uh-huh. except I would figure out what's 25% of max hit points for a monster. Uh-huh. Cool. And then when that threshold was reached, I would that's when I would like examine the grindiness okay, of the sure. combat. Especially if, if they're at 25% or below... And a player did something really cool. Yeah, I kill that monster. Yeah, I let yeah, yeah, yeah. I let them yep. have that heroic whatever it was. I think that's a that's a great point. If if you have somebody who just critted and then rolled 
awesome damage. Yeah. That's a good time to consider having them just die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And mm-hmm. sometimes it takes care of itself. You know, that's that's a thing, too. Yeah. The, you know, other things you can do on the fly. So these are just on the fly difficulty settings. Mm-hmm. The other is just managing the tactics of the monster. Yeah. My default is I'll have monsters go after the player character who's the most vulnerable, like the, the squishy mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. Not to really pick on, definitely not to pick on the player. And I don't even th- expect that character to actually be in real danger. Mm-hmm. But if that character goes down even temporarily that changes the feel of the challenge of the entire encounter yeah even if if everyone else is at max hit points there's a cleric standing by Mm -hmm. with all their spell slots right behind them if that sorcerer goes down everybody like tightens up just a little bit yep i will often like really kind of target somebody just for that reason Mm. and then on the other hand monks are another one i like to and actually monks (laughs) are often easier because they move around so much they're often they often wind up kind of (laughs) downrange or Uh something. (laughs) Uh, Some other things you can do is kind of use, you know, your monsters can have ready actions and you could kind of use that to gang up on people. I don't do that too much. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, of course, is if the combat is challenging and deadly and if the the players have learned their lesson, (laughs) if they understand Mm -hmm. that it is dangerous, if they have gotten that experience of the risk, it's fine to have the monsters then just get a little stupid. Yeah. They'll just attack the fighter with the 21 AC mm-hmm. and leave the cleric alone, right. you know, or, or, or whatever, you know. Yep. And that's a good way to kind of avoid a total party kill sometimes, too. Yeah. You can play to the character's strengths in that way. Exactly. You're still using all the monsters and everything, but it's just bouncing up against what the characters are good at, what the PCs are good at. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about your decision making? No, I just mentioned avoiding a total party kill. Mm hmm. And I feel like, especially in that Amber Temple encounter, mm. did that very thing. Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I, I put the, the PCs in a situation where they were pretty s- severely outgunned by <laughs> the uh, the opponents. There was uh, an Arcanaloth who was, I think, a, like a ninth level spellcaster, something like that. Knew a bunch of stuff. Okay. And then there was yeah. a, a Death Knight. There was Lord Soth there as well. Yeah. And what I did and what I what I tend to do when I game is like my general go to is serving a story or serving character. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. the Arcanaloth was a character that was all about gathering useful magical items. Uh-huh. Of which the party had none. <laughs> <laughs> and so during the combat the, the the party got beat down pretty quickly. Yeah. And I just I reasoned that okay. The Arcanaloth is seeing this party as no longer any threat. They don't have anything good. They're just going to leave. Yep. <laughs> the bad guy came in and beat the crap out of the good guy, and they just left. Didn't kill him. Yep. Just like, eh, you're nothing to me, kid. Come back later. Yeah. Yep. I think it served that character of the Arcanaloth, and I also, you know, visions of the future if the party ever returned uh, and met this character again. There's some history there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a bloodied lip that the party suffered. <laughs> oh, um, for sure. And uh, I, I kind of like that sort of stuff. So I tend to yeah. view these kind of circumstances and see, like, what serves character and story as as how to kind of fudge it. And what I really uh, appreciate, especially in this context, is where you were able to, on the fly, just improvise a reason for the bad guys to not kill us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have had moments like that, but I don't always think on the fly as well. So mm. the thing to keep in mind is that think of a way to ease up 
if you accidentally smash your player characters. Yeah, right. <laughs> Th- yeah. You know, think of it a, a, yeah. a story reason mm-hmm. or a cavalry to come or a distraction and and what have that in your back pocket. Yeah. And it's even okay if it kind of breaks their immersion just a little bit. Mm-hmm. They'll know. <laughs> yeah. They'll yeah. know yep. that they got whooped. Yep. <laughs> and you know, you will have accomplished, you know, your goal. You know, and if you want to play it down the middle, that's fine too, but but often you don't. And so I mm-hmm. think having a plan B for, you know, what if this Dungeons and Dragons and all these D20 games are very also, they're very swingy with their probabilities, and so yes. it can be easy to, for a very difficult encounter to suddenly become a death trap. And yeah. and if you don't want that, you know, I recommend having something in your back pocket to avoid mm-hmm. it. And just just real quick, another quick tip to manage the difficulty is looking at monster recharge abilities. Yeah, if the party is getting whooped and you've mm-hmm. made your point, you know, they just don't recharge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so is is an option. Or and I don't do this as much, but you know, you're the DM. Rules as written, you have the power. Yes. to redefine what the recharge is. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. maybe it recharges just every other round, mm-hmm. or maybe it recharges, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's another one that you know, if the players don't know, won't hurt them. Yeah, um, yeah. And you can just fudge that. And it can be true the other way too, right? The monster abilities. If there's a particular ability that while it's dangerous to the party, they have fun overcoming, use it again. (laughs) Yes, that's a great point. There's lots of different circumstances it could be, but I could see there's a particular um, character in a party that hasn't got to use their thing that they do, and then maybe this lets them do that. Yes. Then maybe play on that. Totally. Maybe they become the star of the encounter. Absolutely. Yeah, just kind of think of it from a different angle. Maybe. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great thing to do, especially mm-hmm. if you have some time before the game to, to think through yeah. the player yeah. character strengths and weaknesses and looking for those opportunities, as you just said, mm-hmm. to make them feel powerful. That's yeah. that's good. Yeah. It's a good thing. You know, if your character player character has a specific build that makes them really good at something, you know, if they're really good at hand to hand fighting or they're wrestling, yeah. they're like right. wrestler kind of characters. <laughs> don't make everybody fly yeah. and have teleport. Yeah. Throw them a bone, you know, give them, you know, exactly. just melee characters to enjoy. Doesn't have to be all the time, yes. but but it should happen occasionally. Shifting away now from the secrets, just to mm-hmm. things to think about. Fifth edition, especially, it can be really challenging to manage spellcasting yeah. monsters. Yeah, you know whether it's an archmage or mm-hmm. I think the Arcana Loth had spells. Oh yeah. If you have time, it's great. Recommend prioritizing this is reading through and picking ones and you know mm-hmm. the ones that you like and yeah. have some flavor that that align. That's a really valuable way to spend your time. Definitely. But if you don't know what to do. Just give them Magic Missile Mm -hmm. and have them cast Magic Missile at their highest spell slot. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Yep. Definitely. (laughs) Because Magic Missile is a really good spell. Mm -hmm. It's a reasonable amount of damage that that scales well and it doesn't miss. Yeah. And I'm not even kidding. Mm -hmm. If if you don't know what to do, just cast Magic Missile and reflavor it if you want to or not. Yeah, I ran into this problem in Curse of Strahd because one of the first encounters that y'all had was with a group of witches. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I was not prepared (laughs) to run them uh, effectively. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) I added flavor, uh, character stuff to them, and essentially I did that. I spammed a magic missile, essentially, (laughs) at the Uh party. That's great. I don't remember that. I do remember, though, that... I think they have resistances or immunities that you forgot about. Oh, I forgot lots of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I've done that so many times. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, watch out for that, too. Watch out for those immunities and res- resistances. <laughs> you know, back to the kind of spell usage. You know, a lot of times you can find good synergies with your spells. And, and yeah. uh, 
it helps sometimes to kind of plan out, you know, this spell, then like kind of program it. You know, they'll try to mm-hmm. do this, try to do whole person. And then if they can hit whole person, then they'll cast, you know, then they'll do something else or, yeah. you know, push right. you into the lava or whatever. You yeah. Know? Just yeah. to work those tactics out can be a lot of fun. Definitely. And as, as I got running with Curse of Strahd, one of the things that I found helpful because some of those monsters will have extensive uh, spell books to choose from, right? All these yeah, different kind of for things. Sure. And yeah. I, I'd kind of go blind looking at them. I was like, oh, no, oh, I yeah. don't know what to pick or what to use. And so, again, yep. like I said, I tend to do character stuff and start everything from there. I would think about how I want to use them, the effect I want them to have on the party uh, character-wise, like what kind of emotion do I want to invoke. And then I would quick run through their spell list and see what ones kind of matched up with that yeah. and use those. So, Great. like, missed spells for someone that's all sneaky or, you know, mm-hmm. hideous laughter for someone who's like the the witches, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Trying to find characterful spells from a, a big, long list. Pick a couple. Or yeah. Three. Yeah. And I think that's a great, you know, heuristic, which is a fancy word that works that I love to use in gaming <laughs> context. Like just mm-hmm. uh, uh, steps to follow so you don't have to think about it every time. Yeah. And and I think when you're preparing as a dungeon master, and this actually works for players, too. And actually, in, in a lot of gaming environments, is just yeah. figure out a heuristic. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about trying a different tactic in a board game. Right. Maybe any water spell. This is a water person. Anything right. water. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. You know, and maybe in the board game, like, okay, I don't know. I'm just going to capture cities. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't under this game is too complicated. So I'm going to try this one thing and see if it works. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes that can just help make it smoother. Mm-hmm. So and then shifting just a little bit back to the non-tactical role-playing game world, sounded like you hosted those board games the other yeah. the other night. Yeah. And I often will, will host, you know, a few times a year I like to host board games and I'm often the Dungeons and Dragons host. Mm-hmm. So I often find myself in the position of teaching the game. And I'm not going to get into a, you know, a whole lot of detail about how to teach a game best because I think that's a whole big topic in itself. But yeah. there's a few things that I found that can really help. The biggest one is to look and see if there are handouts available Mm. that will help the players like player aids and often in the back of the book you know fantasy flight i think does a pretty good job of this there's kind of a reference sheet and you can go onto Mm -hmm. their website and maybe even download the book and maybe just print off just that page board game geek has a lot of people who have spent a lot of energy optimizing those player guides print those off for everybody Mm -hmm. that makes the game go so much better when they can just yeah. have it in their hand so you don't have to share the book all the time. And a lot of times those will help clarify some of the more complicated rules too. Definitely. You know, the last thing I have is just, if you do wind up teaching the game, just three quick things. You know, again, like I said, it's a big topic, but the three big things to to think about to teach your friends are how do you win the game? Mm-hmm. What's the point? Yeah. What do turns look like? Yeah. And emphasize that. Mm-hmm. You'll find often those, those um, player guides will have, you know, here's what the turn order is and when they happen. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're teaching it, remember to teach basic tactics if you know the game well enough. And if you don't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just let them figure it out. Yeah. But if you do, if it's a game you're familiar with, just add like, don't get into detail because you'll lose them. Yeah. But just basically think about, you know, here's a way to get to, to be successful. So they have some some idea of what to do mm-hmm. in the game. So how do you win? What do turns look like? And what are just the basic tactics yeah. for a beginner? Yeah. And uh from my experience and kind of what I like to do when I'm having Uh people over for a game is to kind of set a mood in the room. Oh, great. Make sure everyone's like, Hey, have you got, got something to drink? Y'all comfortable Uh there? 
how do we feel about maybe yes. some light music in the background or something? Oh man, my favorite thing on that point when I was playing Battlestar Galactica, the board game, a lot, mm-hmm. and now I play it like once a year. I would play <laughs> the, I put the soundtrack CDs on, and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had one guest who said it was really cheesy, and uh, I don't game with that person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Not really because of that. There were other reasons, but. Yeah. <laughs> he was a hater. So anyway, mm-hmm. but I love it. So, mm-hmm. you know, match the music with the yeah. game. I just think it's fun. Just so much exactly. Fun. Yeah, it can be. It can be a lot of fun. And if it's a little cheesy, that's fine. Get everybody yeah. a smile on their face. You know, yeah. everyone's kind of chilled out and relaxed. And then, like you said, I think the those three things. How do you win? What do the turns look like? Basic tactics. Also, it's a good idea. I like to check in with people, too, and see how do you all learn oh are you a learn by doing such a great question or do you like more explanation uh-huh. because i'm definitely a let's just jump in and i'll pick it up as i go along yeah kind of, per, kind yeah of i think most people are um but i know some people's like let let me see that rule book uh-huh. let me see the uh-huh. thing and gauging your audience right uh, and your crowd yes. and to see how people want to do it and then Maybe someone can take hold the rule book and maybe someone just wants to just yes. go. So you uh, take the temperature of your room and play it that way. It bears calling out explicitly that learning a new game, especially more complicated games, is hard. And mm-hmm. it, it can be yeah. the least fun yeah. part of an evening. And just owning mm-hmm. that. And if you're mm-hmm. in the learner, just try to be as patient as you can because it will get fun. Pro- probably. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're the teacher, <laughs> do your best. A good tip for everyone is... If someone's explaining something and they and you still are having a rough time understanding it, don't take out your frustration on the person teaching you the game. Yeah. That is a hard job and it's hard to do really mm-hmm. well and sometimes impossible mm-hmm. to do easily in some of these games. So yeah. just be yeah. be patient, especially with that person who is who has taken on the mantle and, and the responsibility to try to teach mm-hmm. the game, especially if they didn't have yeah. time to prepare. And one last thing I'll throw in because it, it came up in this last one is maybe take a break mm-hmm. as you're going through the game. And people are still learning everything, but maybe their brains get full, mm-hmm. right? After a little while. Because it can be a lot to try and stuff all those rules and everything in at the beginning. It's like, hey, do you want to take a break for a snack or something? Or just, you know, whatever. Just, again, checking in to make sure everyone's still having fun. Because sometimes just a little bit of a of a breather in between turns or rounds or whatever you got can help rejuvenate people and get them uh, re-energized for the game. That's such great advice. Such great advice. And with that, I think that's it for our main topic. Yeah. So I have one big announcement to make, and that is that this episode 25 will be the final episode of Gaming Adventure and Discovery Explorers. Yeah. So we've been at it a year, and uh, you know, Galen and I kind of sat, metaphorically sat down over, <laughs> <laughs> over internet <laughs> conversations, and uh, have decided that, that that's... That's going to be it for this specific form of our collaboration. We mm-hmm. we still plan to game together. And in fact, I have a D&D game that's going to be starting up here. It's not scheduled yet, but in a few weeks. Yeah. And so I will continue my presence um, on Twitter, especially. It's at ContClockwise. And that's really going to be the best place to watch for updates about what I do next. I'm still kind of discerning what it is I want to do. I think I, there, it's very likely I'll do something with that continuing clockwise kind of brand that I have. Mm-hmm. Not certain yet whether it's going to be uh, more Dungeons and Dragons or other gaming or, you know, I actually have other interests outside of this. I Whether I am really interested in social justice and I am a member of a faith community and these are all kind of other interests that I might want to integrate. So mm-hmm. more to come somehow, but uh, I have a hunch that I will be back before too, too long. Yeah. And as for me, I am 
currently in rehearsals for a play. I'm doing a production of Our Country's Good with Strawberry Theater Workshop, which performs at the 12th Avenue Art Space on Capitol Hill here in Seattle. Um, and so that's been taking up a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. If anyone's interested in perhaps attending that, uh, we run uh, January 23rd to February 22nd of 2020, and you can get your tickets online at strawshop.org. Our Country is Good. It's a play about uh, the establishment of the first penal colony in Australia and about how one of the first things that the people did when they did their, got there was put on a play that used the uh, the convicts. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know what it was about. I got my tickets. Yeah, I'm going. the convicts were the uh, performers. That's been taking up the majority of my time. And like Chad, um, I'm still going to be around on Twitter. You can find me at Zobme, Z-O-B-M-I-E. I tend to do a lot of retweeting people whose takes on gaming, social justice, politics, and stuff like that that uh, I enjoy, uh, and those are the kind of conversations that I will be having on social media. You know, and that just reminded me, I actually have a second Twitter account that is more broad, and so that's where I have more of my personal stuff, my more political-minded mm. stuff, and uh, that's at Modern Kutuzov. And so um, they follow each other, so if you want, you know, Chad, you know, retweeting stuff about Elizabeth Warren and, and church and, you know, sex workers' rights yep. or something, that's the account to follow. If uh, you you're just curious about kind of gaming and gaming related things, though I also if, if you follow me there you'll you know I also include how do we treat each other <laughs> <laughs> and in the gaming space yeah. you know and have my opinions there, but a little less a little yeah. more focused. So so at modern Kutuzov is one and at counterclockwise is go. the other. So I think with it that is it for this episode twenty five, the last episode of Gaming Adventure and Discovery Explorers. Yeah. So thank you, Chad, for for these episodes. It's been a lot of fun chatting about gaming and. Uh, and our various lessons that we've learned. And thank you, Galen. You know, this was something I pitched about a year, not quite a year and a half ago. And uh, I was it was really mm-hmm. a pleasure to, to kind of have this journey with you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to gaming with you soon. Indeed. All right, folks. So take care of yourselves. And game great.